two eyes, two ears, a chin, a mouth, ten fingers, two nipples, a butt, two kneecaps, a penis. I have just described to you a data remembers you're welcome <laughs> and the reward for its capture all the riches in the land. The fact that that <laughs> describes that record so accurately is a, a very unfortunate thing considering the band we're talking about. I know, and it really hurts me to say that I just described the most generic thing in the world, and we're going to be talking about the most generic thing in the world. Uh, what is up, guys? My name is Gabe. And I'm Maddie B. And we are Tentacle Bop, and we are here to uh, do some music reviews. Uh, the whole purpose of this podcast is just going to be centered around reviewing new releases, talking about things that are in the alternative and hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of going down with uh, wh- how we feel about it and uh, what kind of just feelings that we have. Yeah. And between the two of us is we've both spent some significant time in the scene here uh, where uh, based out of where we're at um, between just being listeners as well as actually being in bands. I think each of us probably combined together is probably 20 something years. Yeah, just something with- like that. And we, we both <coughs> kind of been around the block a time or two, mm-hmm. both in local scenes, but then just... Uh, in terms of actual like albums being put out and stuff like that too, um, but yeah. So as we mentioned, we're gonna be talking about Data Remembers. You're welcome. Um, what was your? <laughs> we are we already kind of uh, hinted at what our, our personal feelings were about the album. Kind of just give us an overview of what you felt about it. So after li- the first and indi- the initial listen, it was actually really tough. And uh, going based off of a conversation that you and I had actually had even before recording this, is there was at one point I actually almost just turned off the record and just said screw it to to it because it just ended up hitting such a low point. Um, but after listening to it a couple times is it's gotten better, but it's definitely a record that I plan to just never listen to again. Yeah. And I, I, I gotta say roughly about the same, like I turned on the album after my first listen to through, I texted the, the folks that I normally talk about this stuff with. And I'm like, if this were any other band, I think I would hate it less. But the fact that this is a day to remember putting this out just feels like a softball effort. Um, I, I really just, it felt generic. It felt bland. Uh, Finn McKenty, like on Punk Rock NBA, said that it sounded like Imagine Dragons, and I mean he wasn't really wrong. It was like Imagine Dragons featuring Jeremy McKinnon. And if it were if it were actually Imagine Dragons that had put it out, is I would have completely just avoided it. Just absolutely would not have given it the light of day. And I like a couple of the singles that they put out, but that's about the extent that I like them. And after that, it's just, I don't care. They're ju- I just don't find their music to be really that interesting mm, and kind exactly. of feel it. There's a lot of vibes, and we'll definitely go in as we break down the songs, is there are aspects where it almost feels like parts of Imagine Dragons songs were just kind of copied and pasted into choruses or verses. Um, so you're going to see a lot of elements of that. The other band that I saw a lot of aspects of is Florida Georgia Line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> no, it, it, so like I understand like the normal progression of uh, of really any band uh, of they have their original d- definitive sound. Um, they hit their stride within their first couple albums, and then mm-hmm. they begin moving more more and more mainstream, which is fine. Like I understand that evolution because you're trying to reach a wider audience. You're trying to uh, just be able to to access a, a wider uh, group. That way, you can increase popularity mm-hmm. and and then continue that cycle until you finish up. 
And but I this think was the just other, such a hard left turn. Oh, it, it is. And it, the other thing, too, is I've noticed is I think after Homesick, Homesick was where you kind of started to see the, the divergence from what they were doing before, but they were still very much rooted into that kind of metalcore scene. But it was after that is they really took this turn and it's, I don't I I can definitely say that it was not for the better. Like there's some bands that were in that scene that actually went more that direction and it actually works for them. Do I like the band particularly? No, but Asking Alexandria is one of those things where they've reached a very very high level of success in the commercial mar- kind of commercial area. Do I personally like what they've done with the new stuff? Not really, but they seem to be doing really well with it. And then, like, you look at some bands like the Devourers Prada, where you see their progression and it feels a lot more natural and it, it doesn't feel forced. Where a lot of this record felt like they were just trying to force things in and stuff kind of just felt mm-hmm. wedged in and didn't feel right. Yeah. And uh, I know this is not what the podcast here is about, but uh, I will I will die on this hill asking Alexandria was better without Danny Warshnoff. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, no, I, and I, I completely agree with you. Um, like, they tried to change their entire sound, and in interviews, like, uh, I was reading it through the uh, uh, interview that Jeremy McKinnon did with Kerrang, and uh, they discussed adding in modern elements of the A Day to Remember sound, but it just feels like they didn't. Mm-hmm. Like they they just made different songs instead of incorporating that a day to remember sound and we'll talk about this a little bit further yeah. on here but um, we we see like we we actually see a day to remember in songs like last chance to dance and uh, and resentment a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in, in songs like those which are consequently the more popular songs that are yeah. going to be off the album but it, otherwise like it just didn't feel like in a day to remember record no not at and, all uh, and. <laughs> The the way that uh, punk rock NBA put put it, honestly, I felt was the best. It was their Saint Anger. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really hoping that they take off from here. And fortunately, they didn't have trash can snares throughout. The I album. was just about to make that <laughs> comment. Thankfully, they didn't have that going. But at the same time, like it just felt like a really sophomore uh, kind of effort that they put into it. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about it lyrically? Lyrically, I it was both. I, I do see that it had some good points. I, I like how some of the songs were trying to tell a story, and I actually made some notes for each of the songs where I was able to kind of describe like what they were potentially kind of going for for the story. But there was some cheesy stuff in there. Like we're I'm just gonna dig into the first song. Saddle up, boys, we're headed for the brick wall. <laughs> like, dude, come on. Did you get saddled up? I there was dude, I was throwing the saddle out because I'm not I know I'm not jumping on that horse. Yeah, we we, uh, we had to get off the horse before I even got started. <laughs> yep. And then uh, another song where it's "You Always Kill My Vibe." It's like, guys, can you can you write something that's a little less cheese? Mm-hmm. And it was so there there was a lot of parts of the lyrics where I just kind of had to just set my phone down and kind of look away and just ask when is this done yeah and uh, like lyrically they, i mean they've been a band for 16 plus years now Sounds i, I want right. to say like for those who have heart came out in 2005 uh and so like i would expect this kind of stuff from like a soft or a uh, 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 first album yeah um where it's they haven't really found their groove yet but just lyrically this one it felt like they were just putting out songs and um, again, in the interview that Jeremy McKinnon had with Kerrang, he was talking about how there were 42 different demos that were for this album. 
And I'm like, these are the top that came out of that. Like what other mush came out of those 42 demos and why it, it, please don't ever put out a B side for this. Yeah. Well, and it's <laughs> like you go and you look at the lyrics for some of these songs and it feels like they're just scraping bottom. And, and I definitely want to date once we get into a kind of a track by track, cause I'll definitely point out the songs that I mm-hmm. definitely feel like they're scraping bottom, but that's what it, it feels like they're, they're having such a hard time trying to figure out stuff lyrically that, and then we they just ended up settling for this like yeah. that that's how i feel like this record is it, is it doesn't feel there are something even some of the lyrical content i feel is recycled from one song to the next so mm-hmm. i mean again just kind of scraping scraping bottom yeah absolutely um how did you feel about the instruments instrument i think the instrumentals were probably the best part of the record is there was a lot of diversity is they definitely went from that really heavy chunk that we're used to from older a day to remember so it it did feel reminiscent of uh homesick and even a little bit earlier um and then they even went into aspects of kind of 2000s pop punk or like early 2000s pop punk um, they did some kind of radio rock stuff. So I think the instrumentals was probably the best. And then kind of, as we said, is that very Imagine Dragons. And they, I think they had one or two songs that had some acoustic guitar, which was kind of kind of cool. I think one of the neatest things that they added to this record, though, was electronics. Is yeah. they res- I think that was probably one of the saving graces of that re- yeah, the record. And electronics are, are just kind of a natural, again, a natural progression mm-hmm. of how records are going, especially moving into the 2020s, is that if you're a rock artist and you're putting out multiple albums, if you have previous albums, the next logical move is to adding electronics in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form to your albums. Um, and, and that's just, regardless of whether you like it or not, that's just kind of fact. Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, though, it, this was rec- the record was really boring in terms of the uh, the instrumentals. Okay, um, like they didn't push any boundaries musically, and that's mm-hmm. uh, Data Remember hasn't been known for that in the past. Like their all their stuff has been still fairly simple, but at the same time, like there was differentiation enough between their different songs, and there was differentiation enough in between different phrases of the songs that it broke it up and allowed the song to continue building on itself. Right. Um, with this album, there wasn't a lot of that going on. Um, I mean, a day to remember has never really been like a very technical band. No, um, they they've really prided on McKinnon's vocals, and they've really prided on just kind of coming together and being really tight knit as a band. Yeah, but I feel like this time it just they needed something else, and they didn't deliver that something else. Yeah, and, um, and then on, on top of that, the um the mix of the album felt kind of off. The uh, they really pushed the mids in McKinnon's vocals, and made it just sound like it had a filter. Um, over it a lot. Um, I, I really notice it in the song Bloodsucker. Um, like every time that he's screaming Bloodsucker, it just sounds like there's that mid hump in the mix that is great for like live settings and cutting through a mix. Right. But at the same time, when the song is as minimal as that song is until you get to like those breakdown woes, yep. is it just doesn't really... Uh, it it doesn't add up to the the rest of the the actual mixing on the album. And that act, you actually kind of bring up a good point that I um you know kind of listening through the record and I don't know if it's just with with age as it might have been some of the wear on his voice, but it, he did almost sound like his voice was very worn out. 
Um, so I don't know if it might have been just because of the mix or it was actually, you know, the wear on his voice or a combination of the two. Because I did notice some of the, some of that, at least, and some of well, even the heavier songs. And, and his vocals have definitely matured a lot. Um, mm-hmm. We see, yeah, we do, in the heavier songs, we definitely see the gaining on the vocals to be turned up a little bit. Um, I did watch a few live uh, live videos of some of the songs that they had released prior to uh, shutdown happening, mm-hmm. and um, like his vocals sounded fine. He didn't sound like he was worn out, blowing okay. out his voice or anything like that. Like he sounded fine, and it didn't have that same uh, mid hump issue. I feel like that was just just a mixing issue with this album. Okay, and that that very well could have been what I was hearing, and just it sounded like a, a wear. But okay, that does get, provide a little bit of assurance. Yeah. But um yeah let's let's go ahead and keep moving into this um let's start with track number one so there, there's fourteen tracks on this album and like halfway through they just get forgettable mm-hmm. yeah which is unfortunate um especially just because it feels like they could have left half of these on here and it would it still would have been a mediocre record but it would have been less of a mediocre record yeah I can agree I can agree I think they hit kind of the peak probably about song four or five. And then it just song drops. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. And then it just drops off. And then it picks up and it kind of drops off again. Yeah. And then it picks up. And then the the way this the record ended could have been absolutely different. And it would have honestly been a much better record if it had been yeah. like that. Um, yeah, but, go ahead and open it up. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Brick Wall. Saddle up, boys. We're headed for the brick wall. <laughs> and what oh, a brick wall, wall it is. It is hard. <laughs> it, and it's a solid hit. Um, <laughs> so the song feels like it's kind it feels like it could be a show opener. And it kind of feels like it could be a sing-along type song, but just less good. It did and, feel and see, a little I actually all had over the, the place. Exact opposite feeling. Mm-hmm. I felt like like lyrically, yeah, the song's an opener. Yeah. But instrumentally, it is a song it is a set closer. Like this is a song that you would wreck the stage to and leave like just feedback and screeching amps at the very end, especially like the way that the the ending of the song that like those constant hits, like they just slowly devolve and and, and rip up in terms of the sound like it, it is 100% like it feels like a closing song. Like it starts mm-hmm. off that kind of slow, then starts a, that the the gallop with the drums. And then right. you like go into the breakdown. And I just feel like it's okay. It's your one last chance to open up this pit kind of song. Mm-hmm. They destroy everything <laughs> yeah. and then they walk off. So that, that ending bit, they probably could have cut off about 20 seconds of it. Absolutely. And it would have been a better song. Because <laughs> at that point is like, you know, if you look at how bands actually play these songs live is they'll usually do that and they'll kind of add in fills but it's never something that's actually in the song is it's just kind of organically done after the song's done mm-hmm. is i mean like i've seen bless the fall do it um the devil wears prada to an extent do it and i think really most bands do it but like kind of wedging it into the song and dragging it out as long as they did it was actually one of the things that made me dislike the song yeah is it just killed killed some of the vibe for sure it just it felt like a mashup of two songs that didn't really fit well together Mm -hmm. the the weird kind of organ uh starting off and then like the the gallop of the of the drums like that kind of set the tone for how i was going to feel about the album unfortunately and like i don't know that i when i first listened to the 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 track i just kind of had a gross look on my face (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
and it's not not the stank face like a nasty exactly. breakdown it was, hits, it was but, not a thick mm. breakdown it was just a oh what is this i don't like this did i click <laughs> the right album <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i i was definitely asking that question a lot through the record yeah. and even even as much as i haven't heard the recent a day to remember um is the last full record I listened to was what separates me from you. And then it was just singles off of common courtesy and bad vibrations. I want to say there might've been a record between there. There wasn't, they did like a, a limited release. They did a, they released a song called rescue me with marshmallow, that uh, could which be. was basically just marshmallow song underneath McKinnon's vocals. Which oh, okay. It was fine. It was a very, just kind of your stereotypical, marshmallow song okay that's um, fair so, and like it was fine i did listen to common courtesy i i listened through bad vibrations once but again like th- those albums don't have any real standout songs other mm-hmm. than the singles that they had put out yeah um but yeah like they, they really peaked around homesick and what separates me from you like, yeah i can agree with every that. big song that can really be named is off of one of those two records yep yeah and i think they're probably just riding off the success of that and i think they're I, I wonder if they're trying to do like a lot of the other bands out of the metalcore scene where they're just trying to separate themselves, but they're they're trying to do it so aggressively, but they're doing it the wrong way is I think a good way to to put it. Yeah, trying to it, get out of the there, warped tour scene. A, it, it would be better to do this smoothly than rip off the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they ripped off a Band-Aid and some duct tape along with it. Here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, a couple layers of skin while yeah, you're at yeah. it. <clears throat> But uh, moving on to the next track, track number two, Mind Reader. Um, honestly, this is my personal favorite on the album, and I know you don't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I do not. But I'm definitely curious to kind of, um, you know, what it is that makes it the favorite for you. So th- this song was akin to all of their big, um, like, mainstream radio hits. Mm-hmm. So songs like All I Want, Best of Me. Uh, have faith in me like it felt like one of those kind of songs where it's the big soaring chorus the one that kind of everybody can get along into um and then it just it it really does showcase mckinnon's vocal vocal capabilities it it doesn't go into the hardcore side of things which they do later on in the record which is fine um in in terms of like a radio rock song like this is 100 percent a song that i could I, i i will be jamming it's one of the very few songs on the album that i'll be jamming later on but it, it nonetheless like it has that kind of same uh feeling uh as have faith in me all i want right back at it again city of ocala those kind of songs okay i can respect that i so the uh the first thing and the thing that i kept imagining as i was listening to the song was sitting on a beach <laughs> so you've played cards against humanity right of course. so you're familiar with the card the homoerotic volleyball scene yes it literally felt like I was watching that, except less oily, sweaty dudes. <laughs> and it, it just felt like it was just one of those songs where you could just kind of just sit on a beach and just like drink beer and just kind of just watch people play volleyball. Absolutely. Like, like, this isn't it, a song that you're going to sit and dwell on and think deeply about the lyrics and about no, the instrumentals and, and just, uh, and, and every time that you listen to it, you're going to find something new that you appreciate about it. Mm-hmm. This is definitely going to be more of a background song that you just kind of tap uh, tap your steering wheel in your car as you go down the freeway uh, and the weird thing about the the vibe i was getting off of the song compared to when i actually looked at the lyrics of it are almost two completely separate (laughs) things so it was kind of it was kind of weird when i when i got to experience that uh that uh conflict if you will it was weird i'll tell you what yeah and speaking of weird bloodsucker 
this, the, so th- this is like the most Imagine Dragons song that's on the record. Yeah. And I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I think the best thing that came out of Bloodsucker is I think the melody in the chorus was actually one of the best things out of the, it. The melody was cool, but at the same time, like McKinnon's vocals just didn't fit the vibe of the instrumentals. No. Uh, like the instrumental, like every time that he started going hard, the instrumentals held back uh, mm-hmm. uh, up until like the the post chorus woes. Yeah, like they had everybody coming in with the more synthesized guitars and stuff like that, and like that that would be really cool. But like I couldn't ever see them song playing the song live. Yeah, like th- this would just be kind of a weird song to play live unless they were in a very small acoustic situation. Right, but. I feel like, and, like, and then like, because it starts building up, it builds up, it builds up, and then it hits the chorus, and he's like, "Blood sucker!" <laughs> yeah, and there's no instrumentals hardly behind him. Yeah, like, there's just like the little bit that's behind him to to make it not a uh, an acapella song. And yeah, I feel like that was the wrong call. Like it, it maybe for a first chorus, sure, because that would then show the progressive building of the song. Mm-hmm. But for each chorus, it just felt like it got there and then it just got yanked back yeah that and yeah while, that's while, actually while, a pretty good description while his vocals just ran and like and again i mentioned this earlier like this is where i really started noticing the mid hump that was uh, mixing mm-hmm. on his vocals and um, they definitely seem to have gained it up a little bit uh, a little bit to kind of uh just emphasize the graveliness and the mm-hmm. and the the grit to his voice which yeah by all means he has a fantastic voice i've, I've always loved jeremy mckinnon's voice yeah um I, and I love the way that it's progressed from the first time that I heard it with Homesick up until now. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it just, it didn't mesh well with the rest of the song and they were trying too hard to make it something that it wasn't. And I feel like that there, that applies a lot to the record is it, it just felt like he, his voice seemed off just with the rest of the music is it felt like he was trying to do yeah. one thing and the, the, um, the music wasn't quite doing the same thing. So I can, I can agree with that. Um, Bloodsucker, I, as a, basically a heavy Imagine Dragon song, as you said, is I think it's one of the songs that I guess I can give a pass because they seem to have done okay on that one, but it's definitely one of the songs where if it got cut off the record and re, you know, if they decided to re-release the record and that was one of the songs taken off, I wouldn't be that sad. I disagree, but okay. <laughs> I, I I agree with I wouldn't be sad if the if the song wasn't on the record, but I don't I just don't feel like the song really had anything redeeming about it. That's fair. I think and you know I I kind of just like the melody and the chorus. I think is the only yeah. redeeming quality. Yeah, and like you said, like it is a heavy Imagine Dragons song, which Imagine Dragons has done heavy stuff in the past like they've done mm. their song friction which honestly slaps yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i actually looked that up because i think you had actually pointed me in the direction of exactly it. but like again like that song is proof that imagine dragons would have just been able to do this better yeah because like that song properly built and it just at the very end of the song like it just breaks down and everything goes ham and i could imagine opening up a pit in an imagine dragons concert this song i could not imagine doing that and that feels weird to say that i would open up a pit and imagine dragons before i would do a day to remember yeah in, in, in comparison in comparing the songs of course yeah now speaking of heavy is let's go to probably the first heavy heavy song that yeah. was actually released and it's last chance to dance 
Um, and honestly, this initial, song is a banger. <laughs> it's really good. And the initial listen through the record is that was actually my, you know, at least up to this point was the best out song of the record. Yep, easily. And so it's got the really, really heavy, chonky stuff. And the chorus wasn't too bad, but kind of bit like what Nick Nocturnal said when he did the reaction to it is the bridge going into the chorus is it felt like the momentum just built, 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 and just dropped yeah. and then kind of picked back up. So if they would have taken out that kind of bridge is they would have been able, you know, it probably would have flowed a lot better. Mm -hmm. But there's one YouTube comment that I read and it's stuck with me ever since with that record. Is it said the chorus is a lot like Better Now by Post Malone? Yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> I, I yeah. can't listen to that song the same. It, it, it has a very similar vibe, which again, like that's a reasonable progression. Even though like yeah. they're still making a heavy song, like they're still making a portion of that song that can cater to somebody who isn't really into heavy music. So that they actually have a redeeming thing. And they, the, I mean, the chorus is always going to be the most memorable part of a song oh, to yeah. begin with. And as a result of that, like somebody who isn't really into hardcore and wasn't really into Data Remember way back when they were more of a pop mm -hmm. mosh, uh, a pop mosh band, um, they can sit there and listen to them and like, hey, I actually like this song. The rest of it's okay, but mm -hmm. that can be more of a better introduction. I feel like this album exemplifies what they were trying to do, yeah, in incorporating those uh, those more modern influences while still holding on to that original Data Remember sound. Because I mean, this is akin to like the plot to bond the ban the panhandle and second sucks yeah and uh paranoia where it's it's more of a heavy song but it still has elements in there that can get everybody going yep can um, we also take a second to talk about the owl in that outro whoo whoo <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i can i 100 could imagine just fighting somebody to this ending song like, the, the, the whole song sounds kind of like they ripped off of like 2010's gideon yeah that <laughs> but yeah like especially in the beginning but like that ending like definitely sounds kind of in that like old mid 2000s and or late 2000s early 2010s face down records kind of band yeah but it's fantastic and like i grew up with that stuff so like that really catered to me mm -hmm. and even though the the owl who <laughs> coming through like it still is a lot of fun. And yeah, I, really I can it. agree with that. Um, I, I, I do wish that they would have like broke it down to halftime instead of just ending it the way they did. Cause it just Ooh. felt, it just felt like it stopped a little too short. Mm -hmm. And if they had gone on like one more measure with it, it would have just really kind of tied it all together. Yeah. Kind of that. But, but that's a very small complaint for the, the song. Like I, I, I do really enjoy this song as well. Yeah. And I think that's one of the songs that I'll probably think about going back to yeah. with this record. Yeah. But this next of song. songs that we no, won't go back no, to. No, 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 no. <laughs> FYM. I hate I, this song. <laughs> this was the song, the initial listen through, where I almost just turned off the record and said, I am not listening to the rest of this. And it, it, Lyrically, it was boring. It was repetitive. It was empty. The asinine phrasing that just seemed pretentious. The, the whole constant... It, sa it sounded it sounded like he was trying to be because I in the, the note and I'm going to read this verbatim. Not sure what he's getting his FYM for, but this feels like he's just trying to be hard. Like, I don't under like, I don't know what is it supposed to be kind of a knock to the whole thing that happened with Victory Records? Is it supposed to kind of be a jab at that or like what? What are you trying to get? Yeah. And like in reading through the lyrics, like I understand the concept of it. 
where it's just like, hey, I'm kind of I'm down on my luck. Like, the, the, when am I going to actually be able to get up there and get me yeah. able to do something? I've been doing this for how long? And that, like, I understand that portion of it. But then, like, using the actual phrasing of FYM, like, I just everything about it makes me dislike it. And, and then, like, just because of that concept. And then we hear five tracks later on Only Money, where he's talking about how it was only money and that he should have spent more time with his family, more mm-hmm. time with his friends, and making those memories and stuff like that. And um, I, I just it completely negates every meaning of that song with yeah. this song five tracks earlier. Yeah, and I, and that that's one of the things that I hate about it. Like if this song weren't on the album, I would probably hate it a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But it, it is just a really like it, I feel like this is a day to remember meets Attila, where they're just kind of trying to go for the shock yeah. value of it. And there isn't really any true girth or meaning behind it. Yeah, I, I, I can the the Attila comparison actually I had never even thought about, but I also um, just obviously like it's not Attila. It's it can go like just fall in a dumpster and stay there for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like at least if the you know, and I I probably would have thought Attila more with a song like this, especially if it were a lot heavier and it started kind of introducing some of the like rap elements. But I think thematically it definitely has it is something that Attila probably would bring this song to an Attila song but like if a day to remember were to write an Attila song this is where they would start that yeah that's that's a pretty good way to describe it just lyrically speaking obviously musically it's musically it's radio rock yeah oh absolutely and it's a it's like a radio rock but it's also a wannabe pop punk slash punk song like there's aspects where it feels like they're trying to do some of it but it just it falls on its face. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of falling on faces, this next song I hate too. Yep. I this, equally. Yeah. Th- this song feels like they saw a mug that says life's a beach and wrote a song about it. Like this is literally a 2020s alternative <laughs> scene version of a Jimmy Buffett song. And I hate it. It's <laughs> I, it literally sounds like it's a day to remember featuring, featuring Paramore. And I love Paramore. So kind of throwing them the, into the, this, this is, is a day a, to remember featuring ain't it fun Paramore and ain't it fun is a, just a garbage song. And I will die on this hill. I, I have to disagree. I will but die on this a, hill, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have that conversation another time. <laughs> But it, it's ain't it fun? It, it, you know, is actually that's a good good comparison. Like which kind of era of Paramore that a day to remember is being featured on is, you know, especially if you look at the lyrics of "Ain't It Fun," where it's kind of the the pe- little bit more pessimistic view that you definitely see Haley going for. It, but it's that kind of like electric kind of like, oh, I can kind of yeah. get down to a jump at a show. It's like you put that and it's then you just mainstream go mainstream radio rock. And yeah, that's exactly what they did with this one. Like, and then they just threw Jeremy McKinnon on a Paramore song and just called it a day. Like it's yeah. it's so dumb. Yeah. I, I, and I just I really don't have anything further to say with this song. Like it's just the message is upbeat. Sure. But I just mm. I don't like it. The only the only thing is there and I can't remember what part of it, but there was a really, really good groove. I think it was actually towards the end of the chorus or it might have actually been a groove right after. And I was like, I love this groove, but can it just have not been used by a day to remember? Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, let me just let me just cut this out and just give it to somebody else that can actually do something with it yeah. and do something well with it. Yeah. And it just felt the it, it felt like a waste of 
something that was really good. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of bands, and I'm not trying to say that I could make something great with it because <laughs> I probably couldn't, but there's probably 10 other bands I could think of that could do something better with it. For sure. <clears throat> um, speaking of things that are better, Resentment. Resentment was infinitely better. It is one of the stars of the album for sure. It's my favorite. However. I think I know exactly where this is going. However, <laughs> this song is literally a Bring Me the Horizon song with Jeremy McKinnon on vocals. The only time this song is actually a day to remember is the breakdowns. That breakdown's nasty. The breakdown's great until he says that welcome, welcome to the to- eye of the <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Eye of the Tiger. I'm like, wow, this goes just does nothing with the rest of the song. So I- and it just goes just right said anything. <laughs> yeah. And it goes right back to the whole thing where it's like there's just all these cheesy lines where it's Jer it's it's almost as if Jeremy is trying to sound hard going into the breakdowns. And it's just fu- he's just falling on his face, and it's just not it's just not going. Yeah, like he could have said a fair, lot of other things and been perfectly fine. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean the the phrase "the eye of the tiger" used to be hard, like pre nineteen eighty when Survivor came out with "eye of the tiger." The eye of the tiger. Exactly, <laughs> and there, there's see nothing about that phrase can be heavy again. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But o- overall, like the, the song. It is a good song. I, I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it, it's just one of the new Bring Me the Horizon songs. And I'm not knocking it for any reason with that, because I do enjoy new Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah. Unlike many other folks from the scene. But I kind of have to say I'm among those folks. And it's and I think it's the Bring Me the Horizon in a way after Semp Eternal kind of did the rip the bandaid off and just completely jumping ship. And I think when they did, I think it was Mantra was the name of the mm-hmm. record where they just went super pop. As I heard maybe so was, a minute. Uh, Mantra and a half. was like the opening song on it. Yeah. And I think I had heard one of the songs off of that record, maybe about a minute and a half of it. And I'm like, mm, I'd rather not. And it's, I think it's pop rock is it bores me. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, there's nothing that really appeals to me with it. It's one of the reasons why the newest Shinedown record I'm not a big fan of because it's too poppy and it just doesn't, it seems to take away a lot of what Shinedown has done in the past. And I feel like with the vocalist that they have is that's about the only thing that it makes it work, but everything else, it just kind of falls. So that's part of the reason I wasn't a big fan of bring to the horizon, but I felt like resentment was more of a classic, a day to remember song than more and bring me the horizon. It, it, it felt more like a progression of what a day to remember was going towards. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's still a bring me the horizon song. Yeah. I, I, like I, if you were to take all of the, all of the vocal stuff that McKinnon's done on this song mm-hmm. and substitute it for a song that Ollie Sykes wrote and sang, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Like it, it would literally sound like bring me the horizon had written the song. Okay, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually have to dig into some of the new Bring Me the Horizon stuff, but honestly, the melody of the chorus and just how well he does it and how it kind of goes and it it re it almost felt like a therapeutic way that mm-hmm. he was singing it. The chorus was just yeah beautiful. And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the uh, like the the progression of this song, like the song continued to build on itself, and it did a really good job of that. Like it had it started out real big, dropped down on the on the uh, the the verses, mm-hmm. and then slowly built up its way through the pre-chorus, back into the chorus again, 
then it kind of goes down to that lull prior to the, the yeah. breakdown, and then the breakdown hits mad hard. Everybody would be just fighting each other in the pit. Oh, absolutely. Then jump back out into it. There's, just, it, it, like, it would be a good song. Like, I, I would be happy to hear this song played live by A Day to Remember. Yeah, and I think um, is this was probably a much better way to kind of. Um, you know, the progression of the song was a lot smoother and it didn't feel like you were losing the momentum, kind of like what less last chance to dance was mm -hmm. is you, you know, you got the, those hits and then it just reeled back. But this, it felt like everything was just supernatural. It flowed really well. And I think that's probably the reason why I've got to say that's my favorite song off this record. Hands down. That's very like, it's a close second for me too. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I know that you don't like it, but mind Raider's still like my number one. It's, off of it. it's, it's it's not super bad. catchy, but yeah, yeah th th this song definitely falls closely at number two. Um, so moving on, uh, moving on to track number eight, uh, looks like hell. This song is so forgetful. Yeah, like if if I were if I were seeing them live and they played this song, I'd be upset. Like people would be pissed that they were playing this song because it is just a boring song. Yeah. That it, it's and it's a very much like a rock slash country song. At least it, I got a lot of. I think that's where I started really seeing the Florida Georgia Line aspects. Yeah, like that the Florida they were, Georgia Line went emo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the really, it's pretty much from this point is there's not much noticeable after. Um, there are actually a couple of one song for sure that I was like, oh wow, this actually kind of sticks its head out. And then there was another one where it was kind of, but. This it, this was definitely where the the lull of the record really started to hit, and that was really one of the big disappointments of the record for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really don't have anything further. That like lyrically, the song's fine. Like mm -hmm. I they it, I just don't have anything for this song. Like it is just boring. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, we'll we'll just go ahead and move on to Viva La Mexico. This song could go in the trash. Yes, yes, it can. Like it, it is literally the pop mosh version of Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers singing about his hard on <laughs> for California. <laughs> I I think every Red Hot Chili Peppers song somehow references California, it, and you can't change anymore, my mind. Yeah, like, <laughs> almost, uh, yeah. Like this song, if you were to play this on tour, you can only play it in Mexico. If you play it in another country or another state or wherever. Like, it, it's just gonna feel weird like, it, yeah no it definitely would yeah you know, like it, just from a a pride standpoint like yay i'm singing about a country that i'm not a part of yeah and like and especially like if they're doing a european tour or an asian tour like half these people don't really have any sort of understanding or uh vibe of what that's like like so right. we're in arizona and we we understand kind of the mexican culture um, just from what's bled over here into the state and right. being down there ourselves. But um, like, if you're going to play this in any other country, it's just it's going to feel weird. The only thing that I feel like would allow it to get a pass is it definitely feels like a song that would have like you would play at a party. Is That's the only reason I think that that would be able to keep because it would probably keep, try to keep this like party vibe that they'd be trying to do. But like looking at the lyrics is I it's just like cool you partied in mexico congratulations and the reading and just seeing how much it's just about partying in mexico is it just made me lose that much more respect for the song yeah and it, I, it's I mean, just that's, that's literally it there there is no deeper meaning behind it there's no some sort of uh, emotional touch other nope. than just he got drunk and ran from federales in mexico and 
if you're if you're a Mexican national and you're at a concert and they're playing this and you don't like that song, then that's just a waste of a song. Yeah, like, for you, like, because any Mexican tour that they do, they're going to play this song at this yeah. point. Like, it, it's almost a guaranteed unless it's just horribly received down there. And yeah, I, like that. It, it, there's no redeeming quality for it to be on the album. Like, no. I feel like this would be like something that they can include in a live if they recorded live in Mexico. Yeah, but otherwise, no. Like that, this just felt boring to me it, it was and it's i think this is one of the songs where if i had any say in how they release this record is this would be one of the songs that i would cut immediately mm-hmm. and i would hope that a b-side was much better but considering that they had 42 demos and these were the ones that hit the top i i don't have a lot of faith yeah yeah me neither <clears throat> don't you know though have faith in me <laughs> No, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, like after this, so uh, another one of my favorites on the album is um, "Only Money." the The message of this song is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's it's a very personal song. Like you can hear that in the the lyrics of the song, where yep. it's, it's actually like referencing his own personal life and how he's recently had a kid and his grandmother's past. Yeah, and like the message of the song is all about it was only money. Like instead of going on tour, I should have, uh, I should have been with family. I should have been with friends. I should have been there making those memories that I'm never going to get again because these people have moved on. Yeah. And I love that message. Unfortunately, it came five songs after FYM. Yeah. So like it, it means nothing unless he's going to say that one of those songs truly does mean nothing, which then just kind of discredits them further for Mm -hmm. writing a song that literally is worthless. Yeah. Outside of just being like, a random fun hidden track or something that they threw up online just because it was fun. Yeah. Which and I just kind of see a data joke, member doing. Yeah. Like they, they're very much a tongue in cheek kind of band. They like to poke fun at the, themselves, especially with their ongoing pseudo feud with, uh, uh, four years strong, like that kind of stuff. It's fun. It's something that I would expect a data member to do Yeah, but to include both of these songs on the album. Like one of them should have to go because it just negates the meaning of the other one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, and you'll, You almost have to, you know, and that kind of goes back to, you know, what was the FYM that they're referencing? Maybe like that was the only thing that, you know, if, if I knew anything and everything that went into the writing of this record is I might be able to give the, you know, those have being on the same record a pass, depending on the meaning of FYM, because if it's something related again to the, you know, the, the whole thing that happened with victory records, then yes, I could probably give it a pass, but yeah, no, the, the idea that they had it so close together, and especially being both about money in some way is it, it does feel a little just yeah, but both not right. About two opposite ends of the spectrum of money. Oh, very, like absolutely. Where, one where the money actually means something to him, and then the other where the money doesn't mean something because the the what he could have gotten in place of that money mm-hmm. was far more important, and that's yeah. the issue that I have with it. Yeah, and I, I I can agree with that, and it's it's one of the songs that I. I like the song, but I feel like it would also be a song that I kind of wish wasn't on the record. Um, and it, it's not so much because like the lyrical content, but it's a lot of the, the song. It's it, it, taking out the meaning of the song is it just was a very forgettable song. And it, it, it just wasn't it didn't have anything really it didn't really bring anything to the table as like resentment brought that just hype. 
or mind reader brought that kind of like I'm having a grand time <laughs> is this just it just didn't really feel like it was really bringing anything so it it, it kind of just lulled on the record yeah the, the 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 true meaning of this song lies in the in, in the actual lyrics of yeah it. the yeah like you said the uh, the instrumentals are, are fairly forgettable I mean mm-hmm. it's just kind of in the vein of songs that will never live up to if it means a lot to you yeah because I don't know that they'll ever be able to put out another acoustic acoustic song that uh that fits that that vibe of yeah it means absolutely. a lot to you. i mean that that is just an emo anthem and it always will be mm-hmm. uh, it's gonna rip at the hearts of every kid who was around during that time and fell in love with that song yep and to go to a little bit more of a positive note is let's talk about permanent and you skip degenerates I did when I made my notes is I ended up I realized that I had it all in the in the, the incorrect order but degenerates I actually kind of vibed with I personally disliked it um it's just I didn't really enjoy the song itself okay I I watched quite a few live videos just to kind of um because this was the first single that they had released for the album back in 2019 mm-hmm. when it was originally supposed to release in 2019 and then supposed to release oh. in 2020 and then finally came out in 2021 um, so I watched a few because I knew I would be able to at least see some uh, live videos of this song prior to uh, shutdown happening due to COVID. Yeah. And uh, so I, I watched a few of them and it seemed to be a crowd pleaser. Like it, it's a very easy song for folks to to listen to. And, yeah. Um, and it has like the upbeat vibe that they uh, that, that a data member is known for. It, oh, it, absolutely. It really feels like the pop mosh. And I feel like it was just their version of trying to come out with Bro Him by Pennywise. Okay. Which... Like in the punk scene, that song is just you get together with all your buddies, you uh, jam and kind of just do conga lines basically mm-hmm. around the pit, and um, and so like I feel like this is just them trying to put that their version of that into this corner of the scene. Yeah. And while it's not really a personal favorite of mine, like it, I, I see why folks enjoy it. Yeah, and it's definitely one of those ones where it's just very easy to digest, and it's you know the chorus was pretty catchy, and you can kind of like hum the the melody of mm-hmm. it so which ends up working in its favor um it did feel a little bit like the um the old school of data remember but it it felt it felt familiar enough but it also felt like something that they hadn't fully done um uh, which was it's kind of weird um like you could almost pull parts of the song and it, you would actually think that it might have been on homesick in my opinion yeah, um, I can see that, and it's so I gotta I gotta say it wasn't a wasn't a bad song. So well done to those guys on that one. Yeah, okay, but yeah. So moving on to permanent, um, I I like this song. Uh, th- th- it was good. It, it th- this felt like a modern progression of a day to remember old music. So like mm-hmm. this feels like the evolution of songs that they had done. Like obviously it's not a not a really a, a hit single on the album. Yeah. It, but it, yeah, it, it's not really a hit single on the album, but it feels like this is a progression of what would be um, kind of like one of the in-between tracks mm-hmm. on an old, on an older record, just with modern influences. And this this song feels very much like it could be a show closer, just the way how everything it like builds up and then it's just like boom, and it's you know, and even mm-hmm. if it's just a show closer before everybody starts chanting to try and get an encore, but it feels like it definitely could close a show. And I really liked how it worked. But the way it also sounded is they could have cut the record off at this song, and it would probably would have been just fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like 
they could have closed this off and then gone back to like one of the musical themes of one of the previous songs, mm-hmm. and that would have really closed the album well, it, it, as well as it could have, even yeah. with the songs that were in between. Because um, yeah, th- then it, then it goes into a reentry, and that song just sounds like it's a new Blink One Eighty Two song post Tom DeLonge. Yeah, I yeah, it, and it, I definitely picked up on the two thousand pop punk vibe on that, but it definitely sounds like one of the song. It probably it sounds like a song that you would expect them to throw the beach balls, so like everybody bouncing all those in, oh, the, in the show. Yeah. Um, and this one, they probably actually could have moved it earlier into the record, and it would have probably fit a little bit better. I just don't like it being so close to the end. Plus, after permanent, is it just felt like the record should have stopped there? Yeah, it, it's a very forgettable song. Like I, I have listened to this album probably close to fifteen or twenty times now, just preparing for this. I uh, am this. so sorry. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a rough go. Yeah, but like I, I've, I've listened to the, the so the specific song I've heard fifteen to twenty times at mm-hmm. this point, and I just I remember nothing about it. Yeah, like I if I hear if it if it comes on. I might remember what it is, but at the same time, like nothing about this stands out to me. Yeah, to make it worth my time to actually think and and, and say, hey, I want to go and put this song on. And that that's I'm kind of in the same way as I feel like it, especially after permanent. Is it is it just you know again, and it, it just feels like I just disconnect at that point, and it's the record should have stopped. And it's good when you're listening to it, but I definitely can't really like think of anything out of it. Like at least I'm I'm kind of sitting here humming degenerates in my head because it's a it's yeah, catchy it's a and catchy then permanent riff. is you're so per or it's so permanent yeah. and it's just like you can sit there and kind of run through the exactly. song. Exactly. Like but reentry, song, they're just yeah. I I can't think of it either. Yeah, and then just it, it was lyrically boring and uh, it just doesn't deviate from anything. Like it, yeah. it is the same song. Like it, it is. It, it sits at like a four and ends at a four and then never deviates from four. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it, it may, maybe hits like a 4.25. Yeah. Like, if, th- if there's, it picks there's up a crowd at all. for this song, and that crowd is like Blink 182 fans. Yep. I can, I can agree with somehow that. Somehow a fan <clears throat> of the newer stuff post Tom DeLonge, where like they're a fan of all of it, not just some of the fun stuff that they Yeah. Do. But then um, the, the album closes out with everything we need and. This song is definitely made for like their private acoustic concerts, which they do quite a bit. But it's really repetitive. It's a really weak closer. It just I, I feel like it was kind of thrown on the album last minute just mm-hmm. so we can kind of have another Yeah, we're all in this together, guys, which I understand was kind of just like a, a general theme of twenty twenty and now we're moving into twenty twenty one. About actually I think we're right around the year of the pandemic now. Yeah. At least here in the States. And uh yeah, it just it feels like a weak closer to the album and it, yeah, it ends on a, it ends on a low note and just, it's a boring song. And you look at the lyrics of it and it's basically the generic going for a drive to clear my head vibe. Like that's literally all the song is. And then this is, this is what really solidified the idea that this sound, it sounds like a Florida Georgia. It, like the song yeah. that I kept thinking of was cruise, which is basically the exact same thing. <laughs> and it's, so the the note I have is literally a day to imagine Florida Georgia line, and it's like you get the you get the a day to remember vibe because it's Jeremy McKinnon. Um, there was I think in the chorus there was a little bit of an Imagine Dragons vibe, but it just sounded almost like the cruise chorus from FGL. Yeah, and that's 
this is one of those songs that just should should not have made the yeah, cut. Yeah, it's a comparison that you don't want to have. No, <laughs> absolutely not. not. There are folks out there that like them because they're clearly very popular, but you are not that taste. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I stand by that. Yes. Cool, man. So yeah, so that that is all fourteen tracks on this album. Um, uh, here on Tentacle Bop, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be rating things on a scale of one to eight tentacles. Uh, obviously, Octopi have a have eight little wobbly boys on them. So, uh, <laughs> Matt, out, out of uh, out of eight tentacles, what would you rate this album? I'm going to give this a two point five. Two point five. Please never let me listen to this record again. And I and I, <laughs> you know, just just as my kind of closing thought on it is, I don't know what's going on in the the water in Ocala, but a day to remember on this record sounded did a lot of what Wage War did on their third record. So I don't know if there's some like Florida Georgia line. Imagine like are they like pouring stuff into the water and like are are they the chemicals that are making the people in Ocala weird? Like putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frog. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand me? Uh, uh, uh. They're putting chemicals in the water. <laughs> Literally. Uh, thank you, Alex Jones. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know if I should love that man or hate him. Yes. 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 Yeah. I I would say that I got to give it a three out of eight, and the only reason is like there are some redeeming qualities um, from this album. So we have things like Mind Reader. We have Last Chance to Dance. Resentment permanent like there are redeeming qualities about this album but it just fails to meet the expectation that a day to remember has set with their albums in the past Mm -hmm. um it feels like they really peaked with homesick and what separates me from you and they're just they they started coming out with the singles from the pre the next albums with uh common courtesy and bad vibrations and this one just doesn't like like we said earlier it's they're saying anger and i'm really hoping that they recognize that and they're they're able to kind of move forward with that and the next album just comes out and just destroys everything because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hear a bad record from them i want them to be able to succeed and do what they do and i want them to be able to capitalize on what they intended to do with this album i just think that they need to to do a to, to, to just sit down and do it and it might be just a case where this record was a little bit more of their experimentation. They were trying to experiment with a couple of different things and they may they may end up going in like some bands do where, you know, two years later they're like, I absolutely hate this record. And they go and they see the things that they actually liked and see the things that didn't work and they just kind of move forward. And, you know, there may also be the natural progression where some of the things that didn't work this record – is they are able to approach it a different way. And because of the way that they do that is it ends up working out in in their favor. Yeah. They, they tried too hard to be different with this yeah. album that I think that they need to reel it back a little bit because there are redeeming qualities that they've done with this album and things that they're, that shows that they know what they're doing and mm-hmm. they're moving in the right direction. But there was just too many things where they went way too far in that direction yeah. that they need to pull it back a little bit. And I think the re- the redeeming call redeeming qualities I think all end up just being the songs that feel like classic a day to remember is I think that's really where it ends up. So I don't want them to just do a copy of homesick or I don't want them to just carbon copy or just like a a re-recording of it. But I feel like if they keep more of the aspects and then kind of push off. So they're, they're um, they're keeping what they've done before and they're not deterring too much is I feel like that would be a huge help to them. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that kind of goes ahead and wraps up this episode of tentacle Bop. So, uh, please 
Like us, rate us on iTunes. That'll help out the show immensely. Um, before we finish up, we do want to add on a little segment called The Hidden Track in which we talk about something that's not necessarily related to the subject of this podcast. So, Matt, do you have anything for that today? The only thing, and I think you and I actually got a chance to talk about, but the day after we recorded this is the Time Spiral Remastered set comes out for Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. A lot of really good reprints coming out. Um, one of the things I'm actually really hyped about is them doing the old school frame on some of the newer cards. Yeah. Like the Yawgmoth... Um, to, uh, I'm trying to remember what the uh, the physician Thran physician yeah. his that old border on him is beautiful. Same with the thought sees and the yep. eternal witness. Oh, yeah, no, so those great. are those are going to be nice. And I think the breakdown of it was time spiral, future sight, and what was the other set in that block? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but it, it's it's going to be a really good reprint set, and it's going to get some of the some of the cards out of that just a little more available in the market. So I'm super excited about that, and hopefully going to be able to get some of the get some of those cards right on yeah i i would say mine for today is actually still going to be music related um so when looking for other albums to uh to do for the podcast uh i ran across the new no effects album we're not going to do that album because we're <laughs> it, it, it would literally be an hour of us just trashing the album because it is awful uh i i love no effects i i have for years um they've always been like a, a just a personal favorite of mine mm-hmm. when it comes to like poppy or punk um, first ditch effort was phenomenal. I love that record to death, and it just it like felt like home in a lot of ways for me. This new one, the they open up the album with like a six minute song, and that six minute song de- really never deviates from one single note. Uh-huh. It felt awful, so I would recommend checking it out. That way you can see, hey, this is what they did wrong. Now this is their same anger. They can come back from it. <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, if we, you know, just looking at Metallica and kind of seeing what some of the, they did with Death Magnetic after St. Anger is, uh, there, there's hope, there's hope oh, yet. absolutely. Death Magnetic was actually a really solid record mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that they come out with something a little bit better, but yeah, I would go ahead. Uh, we're not going to be doing that album because I don't know that I can stomach listening to it to 15 to 20 times. Like <laughs> I was able to handle this a day to remember. I don't think I could do that with no effects. I got, I got, I did one full listen through. I'll probably do it once again just to see if I can find anything. But yeah, this one hurt. Um, just on a personal level as a NoFX fan and on a audible level because it was a painful listen. <laughs> oh, no. Cool. But yeah, that is all that we've got today, guys. Um, we do appreciate you tuning in, listening in. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, Spotify and whatever wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, next week, we are going to be... Uh, addressing Chevelle's Neradius or nothing is real. This is all, and this is all a simulation. So uh, be sure to uh, tune back in with us next time for that. And we'll break down Chevelle. Catch you later. Later.